Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. question on bucks in the basement twitter last week after this show <laughs> if you watch the uh the youtube then you kind of had a better idea if you're listening to the audio you got to see the picture but the way that you wrote which guy looks younger with your giant santa claus beard next to my face there and you found like the most unflattering screenshot of me because you just didn't like the fact that i look younger than you <laughs> and then you asked it in a way that almost prompted people to pick me as being the older person because you just wanted to you because you know, it was such an obvious answer people just were like no no, no i'm gonna pick the other guy like i felt like that was loaded that was some that was some bs and if it made you feel better, buddy, then that's all that's important. Well, the other answer that somebody that maybe doesn't know us or didn't watch the thing, I think their other answer was 10 years. So the answer was, <laughs> is that either you were older, which I think some of the listeners kind of maybe already knew. Like, I, I think some of the people that right, voted. I talked yeah. about it on the show. Yeah, so yeah, some of the yeah. people, some of the regular listeners already knew. But maybe the one guy out there that looked at it and he goes, God, there's no way. That guy's got to be at least 10 years older than the other guy. So I think you should actually feel better. I mean, so that, that's where that's where my mindset went. But I, I kind of <laughs> did want to make myself feel better. I'm like, and I am. I, I can't even cower it at this point. Everybody knows what I look like. So I, I did. I did honestly feel like that question was was put out on the Twitter, which you run just to make yourself feel better. So I'm just saying, if it makes you feel better, that it's that's great. I'm happy for you. And you know what? Just color it, color it uh, slowly. Transition it over a year, <laughs> get that thing filled in, you know, and then just hope that nobody sees an old picture of you. Just kind of do that. I will never cover color. That's why I like I shaved off the sides now and eventually I'm taking off the whole thing because I'm just I, I don't want to color it. All right. And then when I become a really old man, I'll bring it back and it'll be like white like yours. So that, that's my plan. Anyway, I won money after that uh, game two, Phillies Braves, which is a great series, by the way. The Phillies Braves series is the premier series in the entire postseason. In fact, in my mind, they're playing for the World Series right now. I just feel like that's the team, whichever one comes out of there, that's going to win the World Series. I think that team is better than whatever comes out of the other bracket between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. The Dodgers look old and done, and the Diamondbacks are young and fresh, but they can't get by the winner of Philly Braves, I don't believe. And then I think whatever comes out of the other side, which is likely going to be an all-Texas ALCS because I just don't see the twins beating the Astros and the Orioles are too young. Everybody's like all upset that like a, like a high seed in the Orioles is are losing. 
there's a lot more in terms of veteran leadership on that Rangers team. They spent money to build that team, and they are not just built from a rebuild. What the Orioles are running into right now is the same thing that other teams that rebuild run into if they don't add veteran leadership. You know, there was a ton of time taken on the south side of Chicago with the White Sox, and then when they got to the, the playoffs, they got trounced. Because they didn't have any veterans, they didn't go spend the money on the marquee players, and they didn't go bring in guys that, you know, there's a reason you pay certain guys a bunch of money. Because in those moments, they're the guys that get you over the hump. And you need that, generally, to make it to the next level. And so I think you're going to get an all, like, Texas one side. You're going to get the winner of this Braves-Phillies game on the other side. It's going to beat uh, probably the Diamondbacks. And then the the Texas winner is going to run into the winner of uh, Philly-Braves and... Uh, uh, I think that that's going to be your winner. I think this series between those two teams is going to produce the World Series champion. Yeah, it was a good call on your part because I saw you post that, Chris, like immediately, and I'm like, it's actually... It's- oh, the bet? The bet? Oh, the bet was... Yeah, midway through the game... Mid- my, here's my reasoning. Midway through the game, I, I sat there and I thought to myself, if you would have told me the Braves are going to go down 0-2 at home in this series, I would have laughed at you and said no. So my belief was it was a probability bet. It was, I was playing Moneyball. Yeah. I was saying that at some point, everything evens out. And we're midway through game two, and Zach Wheeler is not Cy Young. And at some point, it's going to get better. And the money line had jumped up in a mid-game bet, where I bet, I bet 10 bucks and won almost 50 when, on, on, on the $10 bet. And I just made it for fun sitting next to my son. <laughs> and he jumped up and went nuts when, that, when, when Austin Riley's home run goes out, and I take the lead in that game. And then the final play was just so wild. And it was like, see, I called. I mean, that was a great mid-game bet right there that I was able to put in. And, and, but, it, but again, it comes down to me not believing that the Braves were bad enough that they were going to be down 0-2 at home. And also a belief that this is a back and forth and, and probably the best series you're going to see of the four series going on right now. Yeah, and I mean, there's been all that talk. Uh, you've probably seen it out there, Chris, about the you know the, the higher seeds being down and getting more of a break, and you know they have to get geared back up and all that kind of stuff. But here's my thing about this: is that also, I mean, everybody says it's a, it's a 162 game season. How can you judge it on a 162 game season? Well, some of these teams made moves, you know, at the trade deadline and bulked themselves up for a playoff run. Other teams didn't. And you're seeing teams like you're talking about the Dodgers that are old, that have some injuries. You have even Atlanta's, you know, pitching staff with some injuries and different stuff. So you got teams getting healthy at different times. I mean, I understand it's a 162 game season and, you know, Baltimore wins, you know, over 100 games. But they're going to learn from this. And like we're talking about, even when we're talking about if and hopefully when the Pirates make it, that they'll learn okay, these are the pieces that we were missing. We're, we're this early on in the rebuild. We still have control of all these players for you know an extended period of time. And this is where we need to fill these holes. And this is where we need to build you know, for October. And th- that's kind of where mine goes because Texas made moves um, go- leading up to the trade deadline. So I'm not surprised. And like you said, they built by spending money. They built by making trades. They, you know, they did a lot of different things. But, I mean, even the Phillies team. I mean, the Phillies team last year and this year, it, it's kind of like been the same team. It's just that, you know, guys are getting healthy at the right times. And they have a decent pitching staff, which is good for the postseason. And then you have the Braves and the Dodgers, especially the Dodgers, 
you got a, a banged up pitching staff. The other thing is this. A team like the Orioles, they're, they're a warning to the Pirates, right? They're, they're a warning because at some point, you're going to have to bring in a few key pieces to change you over from being a team that wins a bunch of games in the, in the regular season to being a team that can, can win individual games inside of a series and take a best of three or a best of five or a best of seven. You, you need those, those, those kind of players, those difference makers, and sometimes the only way to get those is in free agency and opening up the wallet. There's a reason why the Tampa Bay Rays are a perennial contender that makes it to the postseason but doesn't win a World Series. There's a reason for it. It's the inability to get over the teams that actually have those difference-making players. You either have to develop the difference-making player and get lucky enough that they came up in your organization at the right time, or you have to go out and buy the difference-making player. I mean, you look at what the Phillies have right now. You know, They're filled with guys that were, were free agents over the last couple of years that are now out there leading them in this game, that the, in this series against the Braves. Bryce Harper was a big signing. Zach Wheeler was a big signing. They, 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 they acquired Riamulto. They have a list of guys that they've gone out and they've acquired. They've done a lot of free agent signings. The point that I'm trying to make here is they've done a lot of free agent signings. And they've added, along with that, within their own organization, they've developed guys as well, like Stott that's over at second base. So it's a mixture of things. And for a team to win, you have to be able to develop. And you also have to be able to go out and get the pieces when it becomes necessary to get you over the hump. The, the Pirates have done everything that they're supposed to do to this point in terms of rebuilding. They've identified talent. They've acquired talent. They've brought in a lot of young guys. They've, they've worked with them in their minor league system. They've weeded out who's good. They've, they've lost some guys that didn't develop as prospects. They have some question marks that are out there. They're getting to a point, though, now where they're going to have to add to the team, and it can't just all be with inside of the organization. Because those teams that do it that way, that don't eventually go outside and buy a pitcher or buy a player that can be an anchor in the middle of their lineup and be a leader, those elite players, if you're not going to go and do that, you're going to be what the Rays are, a team that makes it to the postseason but never wins the championship. The Orioles will be just like that if they don't take the next step as well. There's only so much you can grow internally. At some point, when you find a deficiency, you, may, you have to go out and buy that the solution to that otherwise it's almost impossible to make it to the end yeah and you become like what i call almost like stat or win accumulators and you don't become i guess it would be like a winning organization like there's a there's teams that are very good like they're built for the regular season but they're not built for the postseason i mean you have to be built for both and you have to have depth for both it's to me like i don't know i i feel like it's like almost like making excuses for people when it's just like, okay, they're not winning. And we're trying to figure out why this team isn't winning. And instead of saying, you know, it's either injuries or guys getting worn out or whatever it may be, they just basically say, oh, well, you know, they they had to get geared back up. Well, if you can't get geared back up to, to play in the postseason, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Just win. Like you said, the Braves, like you made that bet. And it would be that, you know, the Braves have been a good team all season and you would think that they're not going to go down, you know, 0-2. And their, they, their stars came out to play and got them back in the series. So 
I mean, I guess the Dodgers, like, do the same thing. Like, you're getting beat by the Diamondbacks. Like, that's your fault. That's not anybody else's fault. ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. The Pirates now have some decisions that are coming up, and I, I find it to be very interesting, their list of arbitration eligible players. And, and I thought it was funny that you were questioning the Bednar number. The, the, we, if you're watching the YouTube video, you can actually see it scrolling across the bottom, the estimated arbitration numbers. But for those of you who are listening in the traditional sense on the podcast, uh, $4.7 million is the estimate for David Bednar. And right before we jumped on and started talking, Craig's sitting there going, I just don't get that number. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, when like Liam Hendricks was out there a couple of years ago as the best closer in baseball, he's $15 million a year over multiple years. Like, you, you, he's your closer. And he's a small market closer. He's not an elite closer. He's a good closer. He's got, he's a closer with flaws, but for what you're building in Pittsburgh and where you're going to have to shave money in one area to be able to spend in another 4.7 million for your closer in the first year, you should be actually contending and getting to the postseason is a good number to me. Yeah, I guess it just kind of threw me off a little bit just because it's his first year of arbitration. But when you do talk about like the market value for a closer, especially one that was like at the top of, you know, top or near the top of the, of the National League with 39 saves. I mean, that's a big thing for closers. I mean, that's why, like, I <laughs> I always say like the save is, I wouldn't say it's an overrated stat because you do need a guy that's going to shut it down, you know, at the end of the season. But it, it's not like, I mean, last year they didn't have that many wins. He had like 19 saves. They, Blown save is what I watch. Blown yeah. save. Look at how many opportunities and how many times do they screw up. I think that's even more telling when it comes to a closer. If you have a closer that goes out there and blows one out of every five games, it doesn't matter if he got 40 saves because he also, he also lost you eight. And, 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 you know, what is his ratio to the amount of times he goes out there? Because what you're really looking for is somebody who's so effective that when you get to that inning, the game is basically over. That's what a closer really is. You know, I mean, I don't know if there's enough good pitchers out there that are shut down pitchers for an inning that every team in Major League Baseball can have a real closer. They may call somebody a closer, but they may not actually be one. They just may be the relief pitcher that generally goes in in the last inning. I think a closer, in my mind, is a guy who's extremely consistent, where he shows up out there, and if he gets beat when he has a save in hand, it is a rarity. It is a shock. 
it is something where you sit there and go, I didn't expect that from that guy because he's automatic, right? That's what a closer is to me. And, and, and I think that's the difference between the guy who just comes in in the ninth inning and the guy that's actually a closer. Yeah, and for me, I mean, this is where, like, my mind started started spinning a little bit. And, and I was just basically thinking, I mean, it's been talked about out here that you wouldn't want to, what people are saying is give, you know, David Bednar an extension. And I think a lot of people get confused as to, like, what an extension actually is. An extension, it to me, I... Uh, at least when I'm talking about it is an extension beyond the years of control. But technically, I guess in the sense, an extension would be beyond the year that you actually have to pay them for. Cause David Bednar, I mean, David Bednar right now, they don't have to pay him at all. They could, they could not offer him arbitration and he would be gone. We know that's not going to happen, but I mean, just kind of like what they did with Brian Reynolds before um, where, you know, Bob Nutting stepped in, and said, you know, we're not going to fight this arbitration thing with him. We're not going to go the whole way here. Let's do two years and, you know, let's give him the the $13 million. He'll get a little bit, a little bit more this year, a little bit less this year, you know, meet in the middle and, and we'll move on from there. And it's technically called an extension. Now, if you would be talking about that with David Bednar and your goal is for him to be the closer, and this is his first year of arbitration for the next, you know, three years or whatever it would be. I would not be opposed to just kind of buying out the arbitration years and not going through this with him, you know, every single year. I don't know how you feel about that, Chris. I don't even know what a good number for that would be, but just to kind of say, okay. And it doesn't even mean that you have to keep him for that entire period of time either. You could basically say to a team, okay, we've got David Bednar for three years, X million, X amount of millions of dollars per year. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out or he starts to, you know, somebody else that kind of pushes him out of the way, like a Carmen Majinski, something like that. And you could use him and he's a little bit cheaper and you could trade Bednar for something. But that's just like kind of where my mind's going right here is. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do okay. it. Okay. And here's, here's why. I would never buy out a relief pitcher of his arbitration numbers because I think you could also run into a pitcher that just starts to lose it. And I'm not saying David Bednar is going to lose it. Okay. I mean, let's, let's be honest. The guy had statistically just a great season last year. All right. He had 39 saves. He only took three losses. He's, he had, he was an all-star. So like, that's, that's a good pitcher. And I don't have any reason to believe that he won't continue to be a consistent pitcher, but there's a, there's a lot to be said for the fact that relievers eventually burn out and that they, they can become inconsistent. You can get a guy who's on a run for several years who all of a sudden starts to lose it just as much as you can have a guy who's not that good. And then all of a sudden he finally figures it out and he's hot for a couple of years. Relief pitchers are hot and cold so often in this game that it is a risk to sign them long-term because if he doesn't perform at this level continuously, then you're paying, you're paying more money than you need to at the position. And, and, and this isn't the kind of team that can waste money. With the way that Bob Nutting spends money, you don't want to waste money. In my mind, I'd be fine going to the arbitration, and then when I got towards the end of it, maybe. Maybe I'd buy his last year out because I wanted to get him signed for multiple years into his free agency. Maybe I'd start negotiating it there. I don't know if I would buy out, like, I, I would just do all three years of his, his arbitration right now because I just don't know. It, you know, that, that's a risk right now. And you're getting him at such a value already with the ARB number compared to what the value would be 
for a guy that went out and got just under 40 saves last year. I, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're, able to, you're going to be able to come up with that number with him. And, you know, relief pitchers are a volatile thing. They get hurt. They, 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 they lose it from time to time. They go on bad streaks. And you give the guy a bunch of money, he's basically yours now. And you're stuck with him. For, for, for several years, with this kind of payroll, what it's probably going to be, you're stuck with him. So I don't know if I would ever buy out the arbitration numbers on a relief pitcher. I'm fine with it with starting pitchers because of how hard it is to find good starting pitching. And I'm, and, and I'm fine with it with players for sure. But I, 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 with relief pitchers, I become wary. And I was just throwing that out there, Chris, because I couldn't believe I was actually thinking it or saying it myself just because I think I spent. Well, you've always been against it. You've never been a big Bednar guy. You've never been a big well, here's Bednar guy. I'm a, I'm a big Bednar guy in like what he represents. Like he's a Yinzer. He's from Mars. I was at the Steeler game on Sunday and saw him twirl the terrible towel and everybody went nuts and it was great and everything. But it was just a thought in my head and could be like me thinking with my heart as like a fan, because I want David Bednar to be good, but I did spend probably more than one episode during the second half of the season talking about Why don't you think he's good? Let me ask you this. Why don't you think he's good? He had the best year of his career in terms of his amount of saves. His walks and hits per innings pitched was better than any other season except for 2021. So he wasn't putting a lot of guys on base. I mean, his strikeouts per nine was down slightly, but he's still not walking a lot of guys. His, it was the lowest home runs per nine innings that he had ever had in his career. It was one of the lowest hits per nine innings that he had had in his career. It was the lowest fielding independent pitching number that he had ever had. In, no, no, I'm sorry. He's a, he was 0.1 above what he had the year before, but basically matching it. It was the lowest ERA that he had ever had in his career. At 28 years old, he had 39 saves over 67.1 innings, and he went 3-3. Three and three. Like, like I, I think he's a steal at 4.7, and I think that you have absolutely no reason why you would want to replace him as the closer on your team. I worry about buying out years of arbitration with guys, but I don't think he's a bad pitcher at all. I think you're fortunate to have that settled. If you would have made the argument last year or two years ago, because I've made the argument that you could trade him and pick up something that you needed because you can find another closer out there. That's fine. But now if you're walking into the contention window and you did ride with him and you are coming off of this season, now you have something you don't need to solve. You have the guy at the back end and you don't need to worry about it. If you're confident that he's the guy at $4.7 million this year with his arbitration number, leave it and go address the other issues to make yourself a playoff team for the first time in several years. For me, Chris, it was just more of like the the pattern that we had talked about in previous episodes of him starting to wear down as the season went on. It was I brought it up in June cuz his his whip went the whole way up to 1.258. In July it was 1.412. In August it was 1.378. And then in September it came down to to 1.054. So he didn't follow along that path. But it just kind of seems like the first couple months of the season, I mean, he comes out with a whip under 1.7 and one that's 1.750 and then falls off a map for like, you know, two to three months. He didn't rebound in previous seasons. This year, he kind of did in that last month over the last 12 innings. But that's just where my concern and, and I wouldn't even say he's a 
a bad pitcher because but it's the overall numbers look really good if you tear it up for you know two months and you only pitch i mean as a reliever he's pitching 60 some innings i mean it well, maybe maybe it's just because you're focusing on small sample sizes. Because again, relief pitchers are so volatile. Yeah. They are so volatile. But take take his last three years. All right. 21, 22, and 23. A total of 179 and two-thirds innings pitched and a whip of 1.063. Strikeouts per nine of eleven point three. Okay, so he's getting at least one strikeout, possibly two, when he's coming in in the ninth inning and shutting people down, a fielding independent pitching number of 2.56, an ERA plus of 190, and he's got 61 saves. Again, the majority of them last year because finally the team was good enough to start collecting saves and a 2.25 ERA. Like, he's, a, he, he's, something, he's somebody that anybody would want the back end of their rotation and anybody would want in their staff. In fact, he's somebody that if the Dodgers were able to get David Bednar right now for $4.7 million dollars, They'd sign him twice and three times on Sunday, and if he wasn't their closer, he'd be pitching in the back end, and they would love to have him. Yeah. So I think that you have to feel like that's the thing. Like we can get to the point where we can be nitpicky on guys. And again, I was fine earlier on in this process saying you can move your closer if it gets you something really good that helps you become a better team because you can go find pitching somewhere else. This is the most replaceable position on the diamond. There are teams that start a season off without a real closer and at the midway point trade a prospect for a real closer and go out and win championships it has happened so many times it happens every year it's the big thing that's always moving at the trade deadline somebody doesn't need their closer and you go get one there's always one available at the midway point if you have enough capital to spend in terms of players to make a trade so this is the most replaceable position that you could have on your team in my opinion but you have it at $4.7 million. I don't think you just kind of shrug at it. If you're, if you're intending on competing this year, then, then I'm all for him. I, he's a plug-and-forget kind of guy in my mind. No, okay. I'll, I'll agree with you. And I mean, that's yeah. where I'm at. I mean, like, I know he doesn't – I know, I know you, you get your strong feelings about guys, but, I, I mean, the numbers don't lie yeah. about him. Do no, they? No, they don't. Am I missing something? No, we can move. Hey, Bednard, hey, let's sign him. 4.7. Lock it up. Let's do All it. Right. All right. Sign him for $4.7 million, okay? I mean, Brubaker, I'm giving him his money. I don't mind giving him 2.28. See, see, I'll, right. I'll stop Keller's you there for a second. Six. I, I, are we going to sign a guy who's who's just got off of Tommy John and might not come back to the middle of the season and is going to be, like, that many years old? That's that's one of the guys that I'm thinking I don't sign. You're getting rid of him. I, I, here's the thing is, I love JT Brubaker. I, I've been high on JT Brubaker for years. But at some point in time, it's like, yeah, we can play nice, nice with the guy. But I mean, second year of arbitration, just got Tommy John at the beginning of How last year. How old is year. he? How old is he right uh, now? Is he 29? Okay. So here's the thing. Here's, and, and that's his first year of arbitration, second right? Second year. Is that what this is? Yeah. Second year of arbitration. So you got another one the other year. Okay. So here's the thing. Coming off of Tommy John, he will be useless for you next year. Just useless. Okay. The next year, when you have control over him, if he's going to be anything at 30 that helps you, whether it be a middle reliever, a long reliever, right? If that's like if that's where he ends up being, or a swing man, you would t- would you take him as a swing man in a competitive window, in a competitive year, which is what 25 will be? Would you take a player at a swing man and pay that and pay that swing pitcher four to five million dollars? Because that you're gonna pay him about two and a half this year, and you're gonna pay him about three and a half next year. 
Okay, probably in his arbitration. Yeah, I mean, I guess I gotta stop thinking like so cheap. I gotta, I gotta pretend, but I gotta pretend like that I'm not nutting. I gotta pretend like that I can. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like here's the thing. But you have to remember that you have nutting, right? So there are uh, most pitchers that are on reclamation things or coming off of injuries are still getting seven to eight million dollars a year in the open market if people think that they're good. Now Bednar doesn't have the pedigree of some of these guys. I'm sorry, not Bednar. Okay, <laughs> I'm still stuck on David Bednar. I felt like I had to defend him so much to you that now his head, is, his name is just stuck inside of my head, okay? No, Brubaker, he, he may not be at that level, okay? But JT Brubaker, I don't know, man. I mean, at worst, he's a swing guy. At best, he comes back and he pitches well. I don't know if I would just completely discount okay. him. If they got rid of him, I wouldn't be upset. How about that? If they decided not to pay him the arbitration, I would just shrug and say, okay, fine. Yeah. Right. I would be like, all right, that's all right. That's cool. I don't think anybody else is picking him up. He probably ends up in a minor league system somewhere and you can reacquire him if you really love him that much. Cause I don't think anybody's going to be reaching out and chasing him. So, okay. I get that. Keller's a steal at six. I don't think we need oh, to even talk yeah. about that. It's an absolute steal at six. There's a guy you could buy out his stuff if you wanted. Yeah. To. Cause this is your, this is your okay? two of arbitration. So like, if you think that if you, if you believe in last year and you believe that there is still more to come and more improvement and you're confident in him. This is where you try to buy out the rest and get some of those free agent years. Cause pitching is so hard to keep and it's so expensive once it gets on the open market. And so if he was willing to do that, I would go do that. I would spend some money to, to hold on to him. If your guys actually believe it, Connor Joe at 2 million for what he does. I take it. Yeah. That, that right? one to me is that's another no brainer. I mean, I think he was used a little bit too much towards the end of the year, um, ended up being like around a, a 0.7 uh, B war. And I think it was like 1.7 F war, something like that plays. He, One war is worth $8 million. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it, right? and he's, he's a good bench player. I think if he's a guy that's getting 300 at bats on your team, filling in, in the outfield and first base, it's like a no brainer to me. He's a guy that on the open market could like, could right now get himself anywhere between six to $9 million yeah. probably for a one-year deal. And so that that's something you would give him the $2 million and, and keep him around. All right, the other two. What are we thinking here? Uh, what do um, we got here? Barucky? Yeah, and, and I'll go Andrew. I think that's the easy one for me. Andrew R is gone. Like 2.2 Andrew R's, I, I I agree with that. There's no reason to keep him around. Yeah, I mean, he he hit well in the minors this year. I mean, hit well towards the end of the year, but doesn't have the same position flexibility. I, he's just – he's a DH, and I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't see – the point in that uh, Ryan Barucki is a very interesting one. Cause if you look at talking about numbers, can't come to the pirates this year. And everybody's just like, why Barucki? Like he hasn't been that great for, you know, the teams he's been at. He's getting a little bit older, but like you said, this kind of shows the, uh, I guess it'd be the fickleness of, of relievers is Barucki had a, a pretty darn good year for us. He's a lefty and, the other part, he kind of entertains me because the one game when everybody got tossed and the umpire was trying to figure out who was like saying all the bad stuff, Ryan Barucki's standing at the top of the thing going, it was me. It was me. And he's got a little bit of an attitude and he, he pitched well for us and lefty relievers uh, looking, we tried to get one last year in, in Harley and Garcia who end up not being able to pick up a ball. I mean, you're getting a lefty reliever for fairly cheap at, you know, at 1.3. So I think that's one that's, it's like a no brainer to me. All right. So what you're, what you're going to do here then is you're going to pick up Barucky and Joe, and uh, you're going to, of course, take the, the no brainers, I believe in Bednar and Keller. 
and then you're going to uh you're going to not pay what do we got here about five, 4.5 million dollars you're going to save by not picking up Brubaker and Andy Aller. All right? And then you can just move on. And then you can use that someplace else. Okay? Or you can use it to pay for some of the guys you just picked up in arbitration. That makes sense to me. They don't have any really hard decisions in arbitration, do they? No. Nah. I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, like, in the end, if they don't do what we just said, it's not going to break your heart or kill you, right? It's not going to make you think that, like, the team's going in the wrong direction. It's just they see something different than you. So, whatever. I mean, I'm fine with it. I got to figure out how to, how to make more money now on these games. I almost, I almost bet on the Dodgers coming back, and then I saw J.D. Martinez rounding the bases, and I was like, no, they're old. I'm not doing it with them. They change, they say one thing.